0: Check out Heritage Network.org slash 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's HeritageRadio Network.org slash 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: Osiris. Welcome to Wheels Off, a show about the messy reality of the creative life. I'm Rhett Miller. Ryan Cronin, a New York-based artist, painter, sculptor, etc., is a friend of mine, full disclosure, but I was an admirer of his art before we ever became friends. He lives and works in the Hudson Valley, in the town of New Paltz, just outside of which I have lived for 19 years. Ryan's work is ubiquitous. It's very distinctive. It has a lot in common with the tradition of folk art. I mean, I'm saying this, I don't know if this is how he would describe his own stuff, and I am by no means an art expert. But to me, I really love the bluntness of his work, the boldness of it, bright colors, big images, text thrown in, in ways that aren't super obvious, um, not super easily understood. Anyway, Ryan Cronin is a visual artist whom I greatly admire. I've wanted to talk to him for Wheels Off for a long time, but it occurred to me that it might be most interesting and useful to catch him while he was on this trip he's on right now to Africa. It's uh, a trip he's done before, and he is right now in Senegal, in uh, Tambokunda, Senegal. And he is doing work. He's working with artists over there. He's learning. I think he treats it primarily as a learning trip. He's not some sort of missionary. He's not trying to teach anybody anything. To the contrary, he is over there trying to learn um, different approaches to art. He's trying to learn different approaches to Um, ways to find the material you use to make art. I think from what he described to me, that's a big part of this trip. The main artist that he's working with over there and learning from is an artist named Salu Jop. Salu Jop is a a visual artist himself, um, painter, sculptor. His work does have a lot in common with what Ryan does, I think, just again as a non-expert observer. So I knew I was going to get to talk to Ryan. I think I had hoped I would get to talk to Salujop as well, and the way it worked out, I was able to do both. Um, I got a full wheels-off with Ryan, and then the translator rolled up, and there is a uh, bonus interview on the end of this with Salu Jop. It's two parts of one whole wheels off. It's a little crazy because the connection is from Africa. Obviously, there's a little bit of dropping in and out. I think about two-thirds of the way through my conversation with Ryan. He loses me and has to um, refine the connection. You'll hear me ask a question twice. I'm hoping you're willing to go along for the ride. As Ryan told me, roll with it. Just go with the flow. And so that's what I did. And it led me to this really fascinating conversation, not just with Ryan Cronin, the New York-based visual artist, but with uh, the Senegalese African uh, artist, Salou Jop. So all the way from Africa, here is Ryan Cronin and Salou Jop on this newest Wheels Off. Ryan Cronin, welcome to Wheels Off. Thank you so much for joining me. How are you?
2: Very good, Rhett. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.
1: Um, For the edification of our listeners, from where are you joining us? At this
2: moment, I am in uh, the wonderful city of Tambacunda in the beautiful country of Senegal.
1: Nice. And your purpose for visiting there?
2: Um. I well uh, let's start back. It starts back in twenty nineteen. Um I was invited to join um the uh Thread Artist Residency in Cynthia, Senegal, which is about an hour from um, where I am right now in Tambakunda. So Cynthian um has a magnificent residency um offered up by uh the Annie and Joseph Albers Foundation through um La Corsa um, which is a um it's a beautiful space it's a it's an artist residency and it's a uh, community hub for um that local village um and I spent the month of September in 2019 there and that's where I met um Job and I am um in the in the process of uh developing a collaboration with him um, that um, we're hoping to get uh, you know, a show over in the states through museums or galleries or what what other venue we can we can come up with.
1: Well, it uh, sounds like Salu Job might be involved right. in this next question. Oh, yeah, so, what is the creative project y'all are working on right now, and how does it light you up?
2: Uh, yeah, I've been working here for the last four days, uh, collaborating with him on a piece. Um, and it's the beginning of um, a couple, like a year long collaboration that we're going to be working together. Um, I'm working on a body of work that I started um, at the residency and then continuing to work on here, um, dealing with my experience here in Senegal. And uh, I'll, I'll introduce you to Salou, but his work um, addresses um, his experience in in Senegal uh, with i.e. like social issues and concerns um, like that, but I'll let him speak for himself when he joins us. Um, so it's a great, great collaboration. You know, here we have to like figure out new materials to work with. It's not um, as if I can just run down to the corner and get, um, you know, my oil based enamels that I use. So I have to be a little flexible, flexible and creative as to um, the materials I'm using. So a lot of found objects and, um, you know, cut, cut paper and um, which is, uh, you know, not too foreign to to my body of work. So I'm really very comfortable working in this kind of uh, atmosphere.
1: That's fantastic. Um, Yeah, I, I look forward to hearing from Salou. So I wonder for you, um, how about, listen, we'll come back momentarily to the the question of what it is you're working on right now, because I'd love to hear Salou's input about this. Maybe would you fill us in a little bit about how it started for you? Do you remember um, ever not being a painter? Do you remember an epiphany moment when you knew you were going to be an artist Um, and not just a painter, clearly, but a sculptor and visual artist? Right.
2: Yeah. Well, I started uh, very young. Um, You know, I was uh, um, not the easiest of um, child when I was young. So um, my parents always looked for some sort of outlet. So uh, they gave me the resources I need. It was, you know, first athletics. And then that turned into... art later on and it was and the medium was really um photography at that time at 16 my parents bought me my first still camera my minolta x 700 um and um so for about four years i was uh mainly into you know taking pictures and the process of developing in the dark room and printing and all that and then i was at sbs school of visual arts in manhattan in like uh 1991 i think it was and i was rooming with a bunch of cooper union painters and they in my opinion they were at like the top of the the heap of artists you know i mean they're painters and they're going to cooper union so um (laughs) you know i was pretty uh almost intimidated and scared to kind of pick up a paintbrush because I just imagined it as this process that was like sort of you were touched by the divine to create to to have the ability to create um in that way so um you know it was just kind of a scary and uncomfortable process I was pretty self-conscious about you know am I any good am I going to be good you know all those fear and you know all those emotions running through your head um you know as a young person um so you know um but when a roommate of ours moved out and we made a studio in the back room on 14th and 3rd Avenue and um I just started picking up a paintbrush you know one of my roommates Mike Lonigan, he uh you know encouraged me to just start you know just start picking up a paintbrush and just do it you know and, um i did and then my camera broke which helped uh facilitate <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the process of uh becoming a painter um you know so you know it was just the, the the fact that with photography for me there was like this machine this mechanical thing in front of you and the process was not immediate you know there was a you know you First, there was, you know, what do I photograph? What's worthy of photographing? And then, you know, the development process, uh, the craft of, you know, actually developing black and white film at that time in the darkroom, and then printing, you know. So it was like this huge process involved before the piece was um, actually sitting in front of you. So, you know, painting was more immediate, right? It was more... Uh, it was just, it was right there. You could do it and you'd see the results immediately and, um, have a boatload of fun doing it. So, um, yeah, I just took that and, um, ran with it. And, um, when I transferred to SUNY New Paul's in like 92, um, I was, I got accepted as a photo in the photo department and I quickly changed to, um, the BFA painting. Uh, program and then you know here we are 26 where are we 20 <laughs> something years later almost 30 years later so um you know took a long time to develop something my own and unique in my voice but um you know as you know um in the arts repetition and time and practice is is what it takes and uh if you have something to say that's worthwhile it's well it's not my place to say whether it's good or bad but here it is you know so
1: um to me like i'm not an art expert certainly visual art um but to me it seems like there is a real um immediacy to your work and so it's funny when you talk about not being patient enough i guess those are my words for uh for a camera and photography and all that like, it, it seems yeah. like the the way you wind up approaching painting, it's it's like you just have to get something out. Is that how it feels? Is there something like it's like trapped in you and you're like frantically trying to expel it? Yeah. Yeah.
2: I mean, I don't really, uh, you know, f- feel like I have to spend a, a, a lot of time. I mean, you know, there's the initial gesture and then it sits and. It could either be complete immediately or sits on the shelf for anywhere from two weeks to months to year, whatever the time period is. And um, I can pick it up again and revisit it. But I really like that immediate um, gestural um, feeling and the idea of it where it's, uh, you know, not, you know, overthought and not so contemplative that you lose the audience or I lose myself really because in the creation process, it's about myself. Um, but I never, you know, maybe I'm just the, you know, a victim of the culture and the time in which I grew up, but that, that, you know, I, I like quick pieces of information, right. Yeah. It's I, when I view my work and I think when uh, others view my work, it's, um, you know, it's, you see it, either like it or hate it it doesn't matter but the message is is stated it's interpreted and you move on you don't have to it's it's you know closely related to signage and and like street signs and um storefront signs you know you're just giving information as quickly as possible and that's that's a point of emphasis in my work
1: um, I think it's fascinating to hear you talk about when you were coming up with the Cooper Union kids and uh, feeling insecure about whether or not you had the goods and and eventually you just started doing it because and then you sort of peter out. And my impression is you just started doing it because it's like the only thing you knew to do. You were meant to do it. You had no other choice within your you know your your own journey. does is that does that feel right?
2: Yes. Yeah. You know, it was just easy. It was easy. It was accessible. Like that's why, how I started using house paints and, uh, oil-based enamels. They were, you know, you could go to any, any hardware store and pick them up. You didn't have to buy like a $40 tube of this painterly painting, like oil (laughs) paint, you know? So, and you would, I would, you know, find boards and pieces of plywood, um, You know on my journeys and uh that was you know or you know that was really part of part of who i am as an artist and and also like what how i think art should be viewed and translated you know it's like the art you know not everybody has um access to um you know the high high art world you know art galleries and museums so Art can be anywhere and everywhere, and especially in um, a community like Tambacunda, where I am now. I mean, art is everywhere, like the hand-painted sign, signage on the, uh, on, the, on the buildings and the, uh, the street signs and even, like, police cars. You know, everything's done by hand, you know, and it's not just, like, spit out and manufactured it's uh it's actually a human being you know hand, hand with a, a brush in it making making it and it's you know not, the intention is here is not you know an artistic one but it's all how you view it to me and that's where i think you can find the most beautiful art is in those places where you know the it's not intended to be a necessary a piece of artwork it's its intention is something else other than art it becomes art you know
1: and I love that it makes me think of um the earliest folk songs that had to be both music and like you know uh news like my my band is named after the wreck of the old 97 which is a song about a train wreck which was basically a newspaper article set to music you know it's like the utility of art of fascinates me yeah. um sorry so i i um i wonder i'm losing you oh no it's it's almost as if we're on separate continents. There you are. You're back. Ryan. Okay, I got, I got you. Okay, okay, we're back. Tell me a little bit if you don't mind about like the uh, the obstacles that you come up against as an artist, that we all do, but especially as a visual artist, uh, the obstacles you come up against from the external world are Pretty obvious. I mean, I, I think you could you yeah. could list them off better than most people would realize because they're they're profligate and daunting. But I wonder when you come up against internally generated obstacles like frustration, doubt, uh, you know, insecurity, uh, imposter syndrome, the, these uh, things that, that are constantly coming up. What uh, what have you figured out to get through those internally generated obstacles and negative voices in your own head? Ah, okay, so I think our connection was bad, but you're back, Ryan. you're there ryan i've I've got you, yeah, okay, good, yeah,
2: here. I just walked into where the
1: the, the wife is and all that, so okay, maybe cool, yeah. yeah, um, did you get the gist of that question by any chance? I missed it, rat I'm sorry, no, it's all good, so the question yeah. is this. Uh, When you come up against not the external, the obvious external obstacles to creating art, but when you run up against internally generated stuff, doubt, uh, insecurity, um, anxiety, imposter syndrome, all these things that we um, are constantly dealing with, the negative voices in our head, what have you figured out to get through that? Uh, You
2: know, you have to kind of, uh, have some kind of faith in what you're doing is, um, you know, above average, (laughs) um, you know, that it has meaning to yourself really first and foremost. And it makes you feel one feel makes myself feel good. Um, and it's part of my, my, my journey, my process through life. Um, you know, fortunately for me, I've been able to kind of make a career out of it, and you know that's huge through the help of many, many people who are in you know the background. I don't go at this alone because the the business end of it is daunting. Um, I have enough to deal with with the creative process and the insecurities that go along with that. Um, you know, I'm I'm humble and I'm a human being, so I'm not um i don't believe my work is perfect and i'm certainly not perfect so um you know there's a little bit of insecurity there um you know a little bit of questioning even you know at this stage in the game i'm always questioning myself for for good or for bad but um i think it keeps me on my toes and it keeps me motivated and try i try to make myself better as uh, you know a painter and a human being you know every day so Um, that's, uh, those are, those are really where, where I'm at right now.
1: Man, I love that. And I, I know your time in Senegal is precious and I don't want to take up too much of it. Um, just making you talk about yourself. Um, and I can't wait to see what you and Salu Jop have come up with. And, um, I wonder if you were to try and consolidate this wisdom that you've shared with us over the last half hour or so um into like one kernel of wisdom if you if there were a 21 year old version of yourself and i actually think that there is something very similar to that that exists in the world right now uh yep. if there were a 21 year old version of yourself working in today's world what advice would you give yourself who
3: uh
2: i don't know if i would listen to myself but um uh, I would say just, you know, be authentic and be real and, you know, find something you love and, you know, keep pushing every day and put the time in that's required. The rep- like the repetition, the practice, the, the days in the studio, um, even, you know, if you're not putting the brush to the panel or the canvas or whatever, sculpting or whatever your process is, that you're in that space um every day for as long as humanly possible and you know it, it could get ugly but find something that um y- you are truly happy doing you know and and well and if you're if you have uh, even the smallest amount of talent and a lot of drive and are extremely persistent and creative with your process and your navigation through life um, you will be successful and, you know, success is defined differently by everybody. So find, first of all, find your definition of success. Right. So, um, and, and, you know, try and always stay positive. There's going to be ups, you know, you're going to, you're going to fail. You're going to fall on your face. You're going to make mistakes little, hopefully none of them are too big, you know, too, too catastrophic. But uh, you know, you, you have to have faith and believe in, in what you're doing is uh is is worth it and authentic and real. And you find that by time, right? It's only time that creates, you know, authenticity and originality. And and I mean you know through create the music process and your writing and your your ventures too. It's um, you know, you start one thing and you know, you put your foot one one place. The next foot you never even you never know where that next foot is going to be so um and that's you know that's daunting to a lot of people but uh don't fear the unknown you know because that's the beauty of it
1: God, i mean okay. some people
2: can't some people can't stomach that right so uh <laughs> but a lot of our creators our creative thinkers and um artists and musicians um you know i think you know that's that's the best advice i could be, i could give and uh, don't be and lose the fear Because uh, there isn't there isn't too much we can't fix. Death death is the only thing we can't fix. So you're you're doing a heck of a job, young man. Woo!
1: (laughs) And for the for the sake of our listeners, you know, I was laughing about the 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 twenty one almost year old version of yourself that's out there. And um, oh, he actually just turned twenty one. So your son is with you in Senegal right now. Yes, he is. That so? How does that feel to have a son who's so into what you're doing that he's willing to follow you to Africa?
2: Uh, it's amazing. I mean, right, I couldn't be more grateful. It's uh, first of all that he would want to spend this much time with me. Um, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm blown away by. He might be getting a little sick of me by now, but um, that's okay. You know, I mean, I'm super proud of him, and um, just you know, his experience here, I think, is going to make him. Uh, a, a better person and more whole. I mean, he already is a, you know, awesome, awesome dude, but um, you know, what, what he, what he's doing here and what he's seeing here is, um, you know, really going to affect the rest of his life. And um, I couldn't be more grateful for um, the opportunity that La corsa and the Annie and Joseph Albers Foundation have given us here. They do fantastic work and I'm just really super grateful to be a part of it.
1: Man, this is so cool. So listen, I'm gonna make sure that the Wheels Off producers, when they put all this together, um, do a big link to Salu Jop uh to try and to, cause talking about visual art is just frustrating anyway. But I want to yeah. make I want to make sure that people have links that they can follow to see the stuff that you've done in Senegal before and the stuff that Salu Jop has done. And then obviously when when it's ready for consumption, I'm Super excited to see what you and Salu are working on right now in Senegal. I I just think, I think the world of you, Ryan, and I'm really grateful that you, that you stepped away from your work there uh, for a minute to talk to us. Thank you so much. And uh, you, Rhett, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. This is great. You rock. Take care, my friend. (music) Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to Wheels Off, Salu Chop and his translator, Wasamba. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, can you tell us where you are right now?
4: Okay, salut. Est-ce que tu peux expliquer exactement où on est en ce moment? Donc, nous fan lañ Voilà, on est à uh, Bankoubaar. We oh, are see. in Bankoubaar.
1: Bankoubaar. Yes. Tamba
3: um,
4: yeah. uh, Tambakunda, Sénégal. We are exactly in Bankoubaar in the city <laughs> of Tambakunda in uh, East Senegal.
1: And what creative project are you working on right now, Salu? And how does it light you up? Exactly. Mm-hmm.
4: Uh, okay. Pro- project well, uh, the kind of project is exactly the innovative project. My name is Liga Hamdiyankwedef. I'm going to work with Inter-Azure and I'm going to work with you.
3: Okay, the innovative project is brilliant. I'm going to work with Corsa moy ci domaine euh, euh objet de récupération comme les pneus euh diko transformer diko de def ay outils yo euh, xamanteni euh, You need nit meuna defandiko la encore quoi donc donner une autre vie aux pneus voilà okay okay, mm-hmm.
4: okay. sali is working uh, in uh, many projects in Tambafounda like recycling tires collaborating with uh, Lokorsa just to avoid the waste that the tire may uh, become so Salu is so creative in the Dutchman. Euh amna yene ni gay apart euh euh foneye je récupère je dessine sur des toiles aussi des tableaux de récupération. Okay. And uh, besides Salu is uh, doing paintings and uh recycling of uh, everything that he can use about uh, his work.
1: I love that. I love that. Um, can you tell me, uh, Salu, when you started? Have you been painting ever since you were a young child, or do you remember the moment when you knew you were going to be a painter or an artist? Sorry, more than a painter, a, an artist.
4: Voilà, mm-hmm. salut, est-ce que nous nous pouvons depuis le début, quand vous avez commencé, mm-hmm. bon moment exactement, de mm-hmm. commencer avec l'artiste, de commencer la peinture, quand vous avez amené le monde, il y a un petit art, quand vous avez un petit art, bon moment okay. exactement.
3: Bon, Loulou, c'était depuis en 1986. À ce moment, j'avais 18, 19, comme ça, à voilà, la peinture. Donc, j'ai dessiné beaucoup, j'ai dessiné aussi sur les romans, text civilaires, comme Rahan, et effectifs de menons là donnent des reproductions. T'il a gel de reproduire, d'y d'affaires couleurs, de présenter le plus bon. Après, c'est la centurne, vraiment, art et musulmans, pour continuer, comme Asenac, de taquiner, peinture, et tableaux, et effectifs The
4: beginning of the arts with Salih, uh, maybe we can say, uh, when he was uh, around 19, 19 in uh, in 1986 and uh, beginning with uh, uh, playing with colors, painting, and also by reading, trying to repeat again, kind of painting that uh, he can uh, see in the books and other things like uh,
1: romance. Oh, I love that. <laughs> um, so the obstacles, the things about art that are hard, um, if you see, are um obvious but inside we have voices that tell us we can't do it um that i wonder if you can tell us how do you get through the negative voices in your own head
4: des fois you as. La vision, mm-hmm. l'ambition de faire quelque chose. Mais peut-être dans ta tête, mm-hmm. il y a toujours comme chaque personne, des idées qui te disent que ce n'est mm-hmm. pas possible. Non, ça a l'air de sauter. Mm-hmm. Ça ne peut pas être content. Ça ne peut être pas content. Comment tu as fait pour dépasser mm-hmm. dans ta tête ces blocages-là mm-hmm. qui freinent en tout cas beaucoup d'artistes. Comment mm-hmm. tu as fait pour surmonter ce blocage-là et qui ne s'apportent
3: pas Donc, d'abord, c'est, c'est, c'est l'amour. C'est l'amour parce que... Euh... L'art, ça m'est venu, c'est, c'est, c'est naturel en moi, d'abord. Parce que j'ai mmh. eu l'amour aussi, vraiment, de faire ça. Peut-être que j'ai eu euh, un peu euh, le freinage des amis, de quelques personnes ou bien de ma famille. Mais moi aussi, j'ai toujours forcé leur dire que ce chemin-là, c'est le bon chemin. C'est pour cela que j'ai eu un peu le freinage des amis, j'ai eu un peu le freinage des amis, de quelques personnes, j'ai eu un peu le freinage, j'ai eu
4: in his own head, uh, own mind, Sally was uh, uh, pretty sure that uh, she loved. Uh, he, he loved art, and uh, also knew that it's so important. So she had to push forward to do it. Nevertheless, uh, with some friends, he sometimes uh, they sometimes uh, uh, said him that. Uh, Maybe you are not going to succeed, you can do other things, but he tried to canvass them, to make them so, uh, make them know that it's his patience, something that he loves a lot, so he can try and succeed.
1: I love that. It's his patience. Did he say that he has armor as, as well that like his I, I was trying to peux parler un peu de français? I it sounds like. As he has, he said he had armor that guards him. That did oh. I did I hear that he said he had armor that guards him? I I loved that the visual. Okay, I I'm, I'm I must have missed it. Okay, so I wonder, Salu, if you could say one piece of advice to give yourself, but a 21 year old version of you, um, a young version, a younger version of you, but right now. What advice would you give yourself?
4: Uh, repeat the question. The, the the question, please?
1: Okay. The question. Um, say uh, there's Salu, uh, uh, uh twenty-one years old. Yeah. Now, what advice? Quel, uh, um, what adv- what advice would you give Venteun, twenty-one year old version of Salu?
4: Okay. Okay. Right. C'est-à-dire, en ce moment où -hmm. tu es en tant que salut, âgé, si tu devais -hmm. donner aujourd'hui un conseil -hmm. au salut que tu étais quand tu avais 21 ans, -hmm. quand tu commençais, quel conseil tu vas donner?
3: Le conseil que je vais donner toujours, euh, il faut que euh, nous devions d'abord se croire en toi-même, avoir des objectifs, des projets futurs à maintenir. Uh, The
4: first one is about believing to yourself to know that uh, you should think about the future, your objectives, what you want to become exactly. And uh, once you have those things, you will easily move forward about your projects with a clear vision of everything.
1: Well, merci beaucoup. Salut, Wasanda. Thank you so much. You guys are incredible. Thank you. Um, merci, merci. Thank merci, merci. merci, merci. Merci. Merci beaucoup. Merci, merci beaucoup. Merci, Af- merci. Au revoir, mes amis. Every day. Thanks, y'all.
4: Osiris.
2: Bowie, Dylan, Marley, you've heard the names and maybe you've heard their songs. But what about the stories behind the records that made titans of music like these so universally loved and important? Join me, Josh Adam Myers, host of The 500, as each week I go through a different album from Rolling Stone Magazine's 500 Greatest Albums list from 2012 with an incredible lineup of comedians, actors, and musicians talking about how the music has impacted their lives. New episodes of The 500 come out every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts.